welcome builders from Lakeland, Florida. This is the Build Your Success Leadership Podcast with your host, Brian Brogen. We're going to empower and equip you to build yourself and then build others. Now, let's build up with your host, Brian Brogen. Hello, builders. It's great to have you on this episode of the Build Your Success Podcast. Today we're going to be discussing the fear of change, and I have Andrea Woods on the call with me today. You know, Andrea, when she was 22 years old, she got custody of her younger sister, Adrian, who was 8 years old. She raised her through her 20s. One month after her 15th birthday, Adrian was diagnosed with stage 4 liver cancer. Her cancer journey only lasted 147 days. She died a few months after Andrea's 29th birthday. And this changed Andrea's course of life. Andrea says life is what happens when you're making busy plans. She had plans for her life, and life changed those plans. For 17 years, she's been a cancer patient advocate, and she's a writer who loves to tell stories. Last year, she published the book Better Off Bald, A Life in 147 Days, a medical memoir about raising and losing my sister to liver cancer. So it's great to have you on the call today, Andrea. Thank you for having me, Brian. And and thanks for sharing such a personal story with us. We're going to talk about more of this, but I know it, it it's got to be difficult for you to share this, but I know others can learn from this, and, and that's why we're talking about this fear of change. So, you know, this quote you started off with, life is what happens when you're busy making plans. I think our listeners can gain from that. Tell us what you what you think about that, why, why you have that thought. Well, I can't take credit for the quote. I don't remember who said it originally, but um, it really resonates with me because you can make all the plans in the world, and, and you should, and you, you should have goals which require plans, but, um, but then life happens, and my sister was an otherwise very healthy 15-year-old finishing up her freshman year of high school. And I came home one day and she said she couldn't breathe. And six hours later, an ER doctor said that she had tumors in her liver and lungs. And we were then sent to Children's Hospital Los Angeles. And that's how fast it was for us. I mean, six hours from the time she said, I can't breathe, sissy, to the time that ER doctor gave us that news. Two days later, she had a biopsy. Less than a week later, she was in her first round of chemo, and um, she did not go back to school um, except for homeschool, and I did not go back to work, and I was actually a teacher at the time, um, and I, I quit teaching, and, um, and, and yeah, I mean, life can happen. I mean, and we had plans, you know. Um, she had big, big plans. She had not only um, her future kind of mapped out, but, I mean, she had her immediate summer mapped out. And um, and then cancer happened. So, um, I mean, I, I think most people can relate to that intellectually, but until you experience it emotionally, um, it can be hard to understand. Yeah, and, and here in your application, you make a statement that people treat you differently when your child dies. And, and this was your sister, but you had raised her, so she was like a child to you also. She, you're going to fill both roles. I gotta assume yeah. for others that have lost a spouse that people treat them differently. And, and since you have this firsthand knowledge, how should we treat people 
it's difficult. It's hard for the person that, that has lost someone, but it's also hard for the person that's trying to console them and doesn't want to say the wrong thing. Right. And, and people do say the wrong things all the time. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think it really depends on the role that you play in people's lives because I, I've heard of other people who um, have lost their children and um, their relationships didn't change um very much necessarily and then I've heard of people like me where um, they've lost their children and they they lost their best friends and and that's what happened with me when when I was raising my sister I had sort of this close network of friends they were all sort of her aunts and uncles they were there for her entire cancer journey um, uh, at least four or five of them were there when she got her biopsy and I mean I were they were there and it's, it's in the book and um and they were all very significant people in her life. And sort of one by one after she died, um, I lost them. And there was only one relationship that I purposely ended because of, because I, the friendship was not beneficial to either one of us anymore. But other than that, they just sort of faded away. And I really think it was because I changed. You know, I was a different person. I ended up having very different goals in my life. And, um, I was that person in my group of friends that where I was really the organizer, the leader. I brought people together, um, and I couldn't be that anymore for a very, very long time. And um, I tried. For that first year after my sister died, actually, I I tried hard, and I faked it. Every single minute of the day, I was faking it. I still went to parties. <laughs> I, I, I mean... I look back now and I don't know how I got through that first year because I didn't want to do any of the stuff that I did, but I really was trying to please other people. And then a year after my sister died, I just got to the point where I was tired of pleasing other people and I couldn't fake not being devastated anymore. I was devastated. And um, when I hit that point, uh, that is when I started losing friends. Um, so I think I think it's just different. Um if you are that person and your your best friend has lost their child or their spouse and, you know, just be there for them and ask them what they need instead of assuming they need X, Y, or Z. Um, and whatever you do, please don't say to someone who's lost their child um, that that child is, you know, in a better place or no longer in pain. I mean, it does not make the parent feel better. Yeah, that's so true. That's... uh Got to be tough times, and so that that is is the setup for why you made a, a drastic change in your life. Mm-hmm. And you you said here, courage is not the absence of fear; it's having fear and moving forward anyway. When you embraced your fear of change, you took a leap of faith. And we haven't said it yet, but you were living in Los Angeles, where you had moved to and spent most of your adult life. You'd spent the yeah. first part of your life in, in Alabama and Arkansas. Those those are two really different places, you know. I, I know Alabama and Arkansas pretty well, and, and LA is a, <laughs> a big cha- cultural change. So right, <laughs> you, you decided to embrace the fear of change. You took a leap of faith, and you left yeah. Los Angeles, and everything in your life changed for the better after you took this leap of faith. So that that's what we're talking about: the fear of change. You right. had to make a change. And then when you did, everything got better. Tell us about that. Well, um, I 
I had been living in Los Angeles for a long time. I was actually living in the house that my sister died in, and um, but I had not been happy in L.A. for many reasons. And um, I think there was a part of me that felt like if I left L.A., I was leaving her um, because my memories of raising her are there, even though she was born in Birmingham. And she's buried um, there in, in Los Angeles. And... Um, it was all I'd known for my adult life. Um, I was also married at the time, so to leave L.A. meant to um, leave my husband to some degree. And uh, But I was miserable. I mean, I was miserable, and I'm sure I made other people around me miserable. And, um, and I went through this yoga teacher training, which really helped me look inside and, and really work on myself in a way that therapy never did. Um, and I started to realize that that fear of change, I think it actually is, it, I think it's the number one fear we all have in some way, shape, or form, but I realized that fear actually is never going to go away. It's there, and you just sort of have to lean into it, and um, I had this sort of breakthrough moment with a friend of mine. I was in San Francisco for work for a day and a half, and ended up completely breaking down um, and uh, not not in front of um, professionals, mind your colleagues, but with my friend. And, and I just realized that if I didn't do something different, nothing was ever going to change. And um, and so I, I realized the biggest, boldest move I could do was to change my environment. And I needed to leave L.A. Like that was just really it. And a lot of people didn't understand. They thought that I was going to Alabama. And it wasn't about going to Alabama. It was about leaving Los Angeles. Um, I didn't care where I went. Um, in fact, Alabama was not at the top of my list initially. It was more about the journey and not at all about the destination. And when I did that, when, when I first decided to do it, I already felt lighter. I felt amazing. And then my husband and I spent the next eight weeks making plans um, you know, leaving our house, getting him a place to stay in Los Angeles, getting rid of our stuff. And and, um, and then when I actually drove across the country with my cat, and uh, it was it was so freeing that if I had known how good it would turn out, I would have driven faster. That's my joke now. And, um, and it wasn't that it was easy. I don't want to pretend like it was easy. It wasn't easy. I did end up going through a divorce. Um, I went through a lot of stuff. But... Um, Everything shifted for me, especially professionally um, and later personally, too. Um, and it was the best thing I could have done. And I still go back to Los Angeles every single year um, on Halloween because that's my sister's favorite holiday. And I go back um, and visit the cemetery every year. And that's a commitment that I made to myself. Yeah. And you said embracing change isn't easy. Yeah. But when you do, your life opens up in ways you could never have imagined. And, and for our listeners, you don't have to have such a tragic event to, to make you decide to make change. This this can apply on smaller scale items too. I mean, let's yeah. not make this. It's got to be some tragic event like, like and Andrea has experienced. But but change in itself. Let's let's be open to change in, in smaller items. But also, if a tragic event happens, as Andrea's has. Be, be willing to understand there may be good things on the side of change. Don't fear it so much and, and embrace yeah. it. You know, that, that's what Andrea's message is, 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 is to embrace it. Oh, but, I'll give uh, you a small one. You want a small one? Absolutely. <laughs> um, I used to shower in the morning um, 
as an adult because I, for some reason, bought into this idea that you had to wake up in the morning and shower and that's what you were supposed to do, uh, even though I hated it, mind you, and I'm not a morning person at all. And then when I went through my yoga teacher training, I started realizing that I missed showering at night, that it actually it doesn't wake me up. It kind of winds me down. I missed you know, taking a bath. I missed, I missed having a nightly routine. Um, and when I started to create a nightly routine for myself, which included showering at night, which included going back to reading at night, which I loved to do when I was a kid, um, it led to better sleep, which I've always struggled with. Um, and it led to just me being a little bit happier. And, um, and I don't know why I bought into this idea that I had to shower in the morning. I like going to bed super squeaky clean. Um, and that was a small change that I made. And, you know, my husband at the time thought it was really strange, but he was like, well, great. If you sleep better, go for it. And, that you know, you can make those really small changes. You know, you don't have to completely upend your life, but start with those small things and just see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, go back to what you were doing before. Yeah, and too often we do buy into the herd mentality that yeah. everything's supposed to do everything the same way, and and that means getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning and taking a shower and doing this and doing that. And sometimes that's not the best for some people. Some people need a different routine. And even yeah. if it's good for 60% of the people, there's still 40% of the people that don't do it that way. So just because it's the large, largely accepted doesn't mean it's right for you or me. We all have different upbringings. We all have different experiences. What's important for you is not important for me. We need to consider that and don't try to say, this worked for me, so it'll work for you. That, that may not be the case. Um, experience yeah. is a good thing and, and, and maybe some things will work for other people, but it won't work for everyone. So just like, you know, not only the fear change, but being open to doing it different ways as well, I think is a good thing. Yeah. And this gets back to what we were talking about before the show, right? The best piece of advice I've ever been given is to treat people the way they want to be treated, not the way you want to be treated, the way they want to be treated. And you said, uh, one of your previous guests, said that's called the platinum rule, which I love. Um, but that piece of advice really changed my life too because it it gave me much more insight to people and people don't want to necessarily be want to be treated the way I want to be treated or held to the same standard that I hold myself. And um, I think it's really critical to treat, pe- treat people the way they want to be treated. Yeah, without a doubt. And you know, I don't have to agree with you and your way of doing things to respect you and respect your way of doing things. I think sometimes we get yeah. in these my world versus your worlds and mine's the better way. I don't have to agree with you to respect you and you don't have to agree with me to respect me. If, if we, Like I was saying when we had this conversation, if we were all the same, this world would be a pretty boring place. Uh, right. <laughs> but I at least want to respect you. I want to respect what you have and, and what you want to do, and, and I hope you do the same for me. And, I, and I'm talking about it in general. I'm not just talking about Andrea and Brian, but we, we all need to be considerate of others and, and let them kind of mold their own thing that works for them. Can we help them? Yes. Can we give them some ideas? Yes. But ultimately, we're all responsible for our own well-being. Okay, I have to share something with you that I was not even thinking about sharing, but it goes along with what you just said. Um, not that we're talking politics, but my, my partner now, um, and I never would have met him if I had not moved to Alabama, is a conservative Christian Republican, and I'm an independent, spiritual, somewhat of a libertarian. 
Um, so as you can imagine, we disagree on a lot of different things, but it goes right back to your point, but we respect our differences. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and you're speaking to a conservative Republican, so that's, that's why I have to embrace that, because I need to be open to listen and respect you. And by the same token, we all need to respect each other. Uh, you know, tell us about the Cancer University, this thing that you're doing to, to help cancer patients. Sure. So um, Cancer University is um, a for-profit social benefit health tech startup, and it's an online membership platform for cancer patients, but also for caregivers to really educate and empower them to become advocates for themselves during that cancer journey to improve outcomes and also reduce costs. So our goal is that patients and caregivers never have to pay for it. They are the end users of the platform but our business model is B to B to C. So our actual customers are um, payers, providers, and pharmaceutical companies. And um, we are, at the time of this recording, about to launch a pilot program with a very large um, NCI center. And, um, and yeah, we're actually in the middle of a, a fundraising round because up to now we've been bootstrapping the business. But it's, it's really exciting. I've been in the space... Um, as a cancer patient advocate for 17 years because I started a nonprofit after my sister died that was dedicated specifically to her cancer, which was primary liver cancer. Um, so this is a little bit of a switch for me, um, but it, we're going to be able to serve a much broader audience. Yeah, and that that's a great thing. I, you know, I actually, my aunt, I just lost her to cancer uh, about two months ago now, and it's just traumatic what, what cancer has done. And of course, there's a lot of lifestyle choices that, that we all need to do better with, but it's it's such a disease, and, and in some cases it has nothing to do with the lifestyle choices. It, it, the cancer yeah. is, is a, it's a, a horrible thing to go through for any family member, and uh, just to be an advocate to help people in that situation, to, to know they've got that diagnosis and, and you can help them with some of the financial burdens because you know, it's all that. It's all that stuff combined all at once. You know, the, the, the facing death, the facing the sickness, the facing the treatment, and the financial cost of of, of such a horrible disease and just very expensive uh, treatments that get, go along with that. Yeah, our goal is really to meet people at that that moment of diagnosis, and so they know immediately they have the support, but they also um, gain the knowledge. So. To me, it's a big difference between sort of giving people information, but then now teaching them how to use information. So when I was raising my sister, I was a teacher, and then after she died, I went back to school and got my master's and became a professor. So teaching and coaching um, is really my wheelhouse and creating content. And um, and I was seeing with my nonprofit, I was seeing a problem with the majority of people are just not natural advocates. So you can have fantastic information. But if they don't know what to do with the information, it doesn't work. And I've been coaching pro bono patients and caregivers for years, and it was really starting to bother me that there, there was this issue here, and it's trying to figure it out. And so cancer, you really came out of trying to solve this this problem that, you know, everyone agrees it exists um, and trying to come up with a really holistic solution so that we're there for the whole journey um, with patients and caregivers and, you know, every every step of the way. Um, and when patients are more engaged and more active in their treatment decisions, costs do go down um, tremendously. There are numerous studies that, that show this. Um, so 
that's really important, but maybe even more important, at least for me, is that um, outcomes improve. So just an um, anecdotal example with my sister is that we were seen in one of the top children's hospitals in the country. We were in a major city with access to numerous NCI centers, and yet from day one I did not know that that a clinical trial would have been the absolute best option for my sister. Um, and by the time clinical trials were even discussed, four rounds of chemo had absolutely decimated her immune system. And um, and sh- that's an anecdotal example, but I hear, you know, situations like that all the time, um, you know, where the family just didn't know to get a second opinion or by the time they did, it was too late. Um, you know, it's, well, I'll use this joke. It's a terrible joke, but it's true. Um, what, do, what do they call the person who graduated last in med school? The doctor. That's right. <laughs> and I'm not picking on doctors, but, I mean, not all doctors are created equal. Not all hospital systems are created equal. So it's really, really important, um, especially if you have an advanced stage of cancer. Um, you don't have time on your side. So it's really important that you are speaking to the right, you know, doctor for your particular cancer and you're at the right center that can, you know, give you the actual care that you need. Well, thank you for what you're doing for, for those patients and their families. That's a, that's a great cause. I'm glad you're helping there. So you've got a few books out here. Tell us about these books. Um, well, I contributed to, uh, to one book, a chapter. Uh, the book's called The Change, Insights into Self-Empowerment. Um, and I was really excited about contributing a chapter just because of the topic we just discussed and everyone's fear of change. Um, and that came out, I believe, in 2016. And then last year, my medical memoir came out about raising and losing my sister to liver cancer. And it's titled Better Off Bald, A Life in 147 Days. And I wrote it like a journal because my sister was a writer and she kept a journal. And she actually started the journal before she got sick but kept writing it um, even while she was sick. And um, and I also kept a medical journal so it's a way to see two very different points of view. So um, the days are essentially chapters. So day one is chapter one. And um, by day three or four, the chapters open with um, her point of view. And then it's my point of view. Um, and so far, people have been um, seem to really like it. Um, it. You do know going into the book, I mean, that my sister did um, pass away from liver cancer. Um, so there's no surprises there, but I think people are surprised that she, um, she, she just, she sticks with you. Um, Adrian was, uh, one of the most courageous and, um, funniest people I've ever met in my life. And I'm really proud to say that I raised her. Well, I can, I can hear your, your love for her and of course you've done a lot to, <laughs> To help her memory stick, stay with you, and uh, make it about a cause. So that that's great. I think you said you might have a, a gift for our listeners today. I do have a gift for your listeners. So if they go to cancer university, and that's the actual website, so no .com, just cancer university, and um, if they are a newly diagnosed cancer patient or a caregiver of a newly diagnosed patient, and they click the apply now button. They can get a free lifetime membership to Cancer U. So they just fill out the application. And then at the very bottom, it says, do you have a coupon code? 
and the coupon code is Build Your Success, um, all one word, all capital letters, um, and that will waive um, any fee, and they will have a free lifetime membership to Cancer U. So just go to cancer.university. Well, thank you for that. I'm sure that uh, people that are in that type of situation will be grateful to have that membership, and uh, that, that's, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So, Andrea, how can our listeners get in contact with you in the future? Well, the best way is probably to go to the book's website, which is betteroffbald.com. You can learn more about the book, but all of my social media channels are there as well. Um, I love LinkedIn probably more than anything else. So if you just look up Andrea Wilson Woods on LinkedIn and connect with me there, that's great too. Well, that's wonderful. I, I certainly appreciate you being a guest on the podcast today. And again, thank you for everything you're doing. It, it sounds great. And you, you've looked this change right in the face and, and, and overcome it. And so you're a great guest for this fear of change. I appreciate all your commentary today and everything you're doing. So thanks for that. And for our listeners... Yeah. Uh, do me a favor. I'm going to have all of Andrea's contact information in the podcast description that you'll have. Whatever platform you're listening to the podcast on, do us a favor. Give us an honest rating and review. Let us know how we can do better. Tell us what we're doing well, and uh, that'll help us in the podcast world out there. Remember to build yourself and then build others. Thank you. Want to learn how to build yourself and build your team? Visit www.buildcs.net and learn about Brian's programs, special offers, and more. Build yourself and then build others.